Hey, I'm Aldwin. And I'm Jason. And this is the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. New balls, please. Why I didn't get excuse me? Can you talk louder so everyone can hear you asking me about my drugs? I mean, if we had Hawkeye, you would be so freaking embarrassed right now. Well, how come they can say whatever they want to me? Oh, it's all talent. I don't worry. I just sit on the couch. I don't want to look like I am I going to be his boyfriend. Ready? Play. Dear Tennis, let's take a breath here and remember what's important, which is health and safety as a community. We can rebuild our sport and the economy, but we can never recover lives lost. I've got no problem with the USTA putting on the US Open. And if players want to go, that's up to them. So long as everyone acts appropriately and acts safely. No one wants people to keep their jobs more than me. I'm speaking for the guy who works in the restaurant, the cleaners, the locker room attendants. These are the people that need their jobs back the most and fair play to them. But tennis players, you have to act in the interests of each other and work together. You can't be dancing on tables, money grabbing your way around Europe or trying to make a quick buck hosting an exhibition. That's just so selfish. Think of the other people for once. That's what this virus is about. It doesn't care about your world ranking or how much money you have. Act responsibly. To those players that have been observing the rules and acting selflessly, I say good luck to you. Play your own risk and I have no problem with that. I will not be playing this year at the US Open. It hurts me at my core not to be out there competing in one of the sport's greatest arenas. Arthur Ashe Stadium. But I'm sitting out for the people, for my Aussies, for the hundreds and thousands of Americans who have lost their lives. For all of you, it's my decision, like it or not. And those are my reasons. Yours sincerely, Nick. Dear Tennis, (laughs) (laughs) we're back, bitches. We're back. Welcome to the Ready Play Tennis podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Aldwin. And all we have to say is, dear tennis. Dear tennis and the Nick Curio statement that you've either heard or are about to hear is going to be the anchor for this entire freaking show. <laughs> you may have <laughs> rolled your eyes at the beginning, but hopefully you did not turn us off because we thought you should hear the whole entirety of his statement, which he read uh, from... A piece of paper but in front of a camera and posted it on the interweb for all to see yeah i mean a bit of a departure for him he took a pretty serious tone you know it seemed as if he rehearsed what he read a couple of times um you know he had it planned probably a publicist looked at it before he actually read it and recorded it but you know, in typical curious fashion, he had a couple little jabs there at mm-hmm. his at his at his buddies. Maybe not buddies, but you know, yeah. at Zverev, for example. But listen to what you just said. You said he rehearsed what he read. <laughs> 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 I mean that that sort of you know <laughs> speaks to what Curios had planned. Like he obviously had planned 
to have those moments where he could do one last jab at the guys who, you know, at this point have probably had enough in terms of making them feel bad, making making them understand that what they did was wrong with the Adria tour. Um, so maybe we can just move on and you can let us know whether you're playing the U.S. Open or not without the jabs. Yeah, I mean, my mom has a term in our language in Tagalog that translates to nasty nice. And when I watched his statement, it gave me a little bit of a nasty nice feel, which is very him anyway. Yeah. And, you know, people have a love-hate relationship with him. I have a similar relationship with him. I loved watching him at the Washington tournament last year where he was thoroughly entertaining and you know that guy sells tickets more mm-hmm. so than Borna Chorich. I'm sure he would tell you that. <laughs> but um, you, you, yeah, you either love him or hate him. But who knew uh, his decision would be in line with Rafa's decision? I know. And that is the juicy news that we are so thankful to the heavens above that we didn't record our episode yesterday or this morning (laughs) because the news just broke out literally this afternoon that Rafael Nadal is not going to be defending his title at the U.S. Open this year. Yeah, I slightly surprised, kind of not surprised all at the same time, if you can be those things both at the same time. (laughs) I mean, he is someone who as we know, cares obviously a lot about his health and his fitness, and he is getting up there in his own career. Mm -hmm. Um, He also probably is feeling a particular way about the fact that Madrid was also canceled today. Yes, um, that's right. Which is in his home country. And seeing that there was a rise in his own country um, was maybe feeling a bit conflicted about that within the context of deciding whether to play in the U.S. Open or not, because those things happened quite close together. The, the, the news about Madrid being canceled and him posting on his Instagram that he was mm. not playing the U.S. Open. Yeah, and, you know, there had been some doubts about whether Nadal was going to come back to Flushing Meadows to defend. I'm not sure, Jay, if you heard this, but, you know, on our IG, I posted a picture of him, of him, Nadal, him, Nadal, and Barty a couple of days ago. And I had mentioned that Barty had decided not to play the U.S. Open. Again, similar with Kyrgios' decision. Um, Too far, didn't want to put her entourage slash team in jeopardy. Um, But at that point, Nadal was still slotted to play. And one of our IG followers made a comment, said, well, who told you that? You know, they they really felt that Nadal, although on paper might have said he was going to defend his title at Flushing Meadows, really never had the intention of flying all the way to the U.S. Open and would have rather stayed in Europe and focused on the clay because, you know, among the myriad of things that we're going to talk about today is the whole idea of, you know, are European players going to take the chance of practicing on clay, going to the U.S. and playing hard, then going back to Europe and playing on clay? I mean... The same goes for North American players going to Europe to play the French Open. It's like it's probably just easier to stay where you are and Mm -hmm. play the tournaments where you are. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, 
full disclosure to our listeners we had intended to record yesterday <laughs> it did that those things didn't work out you were very busy i was a little bit tired perhaps too tired to record at 11 p.m so we decided <laughs> to wait and the juice flowed for us it was just meant to happen and one of the reasons uh it worked out pretty well was because we were going to have a conversation about um the the fact that it looked like Nadal was going to play uh, seven weeks in a row, which would have been Cincy, U.S. Open, Madrid, which followed right after, mm-hmm. and then Rome, and then the French Open. And my question, which I ha- was <laughs> planning to pose to you, which which will he cut out? Because we we know that that's a bit of a uh, a long stretch for him, regardless of the fact that it's three masters 1000 events and two grand slams like he's he can only sort of cut a rug as it were on the court uh for for so many tournaments and that seemed like a lofty order to play so for such a long period of time right i mean so as we just mentioned madrid is canceled um which leaves only one masters tournament for top players to kind of fine-tune before the French Open. Who knows? what? I mean, I actually don't really know what's going on in Italy. As we all know, Italy was a hotbed of the coronavirus at the very beginning of this pandemic, kind of like the measuring stick for other countries like Canada ourselves to see what we could learn from in terms of their experiences. But, I mean, Spain, again, was also a hotbed right after Italy, and they experienced relatively low cases of COVID until recently. So, girl, just like you and I, like, didn't expect Madrid to be canceled, who the frick knows? <laughs> I mean, for, for all we know, people could be rolling up at the French Open on September 27th, the day before my birthday, just to let everyone know, um, being stone cold and, like... <laughs> Who who knows who could win? Well, it goes to show you that the state of play or no play can happen I, right I like quickly. That. Yeah, <laughs> it's a plug to one of our first episodes. <laughs> and we're on episode 11, mofos. Woo! So, yeah, I think Madrid fell off as uh, as we just mentioned. They ha- they are now sort of ticking upwards in terms of their cases and the government basically said nope, you got to shut it down. So -hmm. at their peak, I think they were at 8,000 cases a day in the country. Mm -hmm. Um, In the country. So for our U.S. friends, you who are at about (laughs) 60,000 a day, um, that's a bit concerning. They do have a larger population, but... Mm -hmm. um, So Madrid, now gone. Italy, you asked the question, you know, you weren't sure how they're doing. I did check in uh, advance of this episode so they're in like the hold on like any good doubles partner <laughs> would <laughs> they sort of ha- are in the range of two to three hundred cases per day so okay. that's in line with uh our country here mm-hmm. uh so for now it looks like rome um if they can maintain this path will commence um as planned but again, things can change in a heartbeat. I think it's only been in the last two weeks that that Spain has seen the uptick, and now Madrid is gone. Madrid is gone. And, I mean, players in North America, I mean, let's focus back on the U.S. Open. The lead-up tournaments 
to the U.S. Open, I actually just remembered one thing that I read in preparation for this podcast. The five USTA-sanctioned tournaments that are not officially ATP tournaments have been had been canceled, which literally means that for ATP players that want to hone their skills before the second Grand Slam of the year, they've only got Cincy, which is confusing because it's not Cincy. We should really call it Western Southern, yeah. but Cincy... Western Southern is normally played at Cincy, but to mitigate, um, you know, the COVID situation, they've decided to play the Western Southern and the U.S. Open both at the Billie Jean um, uh, Center and back-to-back so that players can uh, practice healthy measures. We should call it Cincy New York Edition. (laughs) 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 Yeah, it's... um it's crazy. It's, it's crazy to even have you say that the second Grand Slam of the year is the U.S. Open. Like, think about that. <laughs> I know. I know. Like, rewind to last time this year. We had just come off Simona Halep whooping Serena Williams' butt 6-2-6-2, thinking that, you know, anything was possible for the next year. And, I mean, like you said, at any everything can change in a heartbeat, not just in tennis, but in the entire world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, things are upside down. So I think one of the reasons maybe why this Lexington, Kentucky WTA tournament is happening, which we're going to get into in a bit, is because there's been these gaps in the calendar, this provisional calendar that they keep talking about. Mm -hmm. So one of the articles that I read um, this afternoon when it was talking about the cancellation of Madrid was that there is potential for another event to sort of decide to either come back into the calendar and fill that gap that was left by uh, Madrid, which had to be canceled. So there is possibility that something else might pop up. And, you know, it is a month and a half away. So one of those events that was planned, but maybe got bumped because all of these tournaments got shuffled around Mm -hmm. uh, in Europe, something else could potentially pop up in place of madrid okay wait clarification so another tournament could pop up in madrid's place a european tournament like a clay court tournament a hardcore tournament probably Uh, i would think probably a clay court tournament but i mean it's coming off the u.s open it could be another hardcore event potentially mm. so that was what the article said anyway it's there's so many layers to our conversation today because you know um If players in Europe, I mean, players all over the world, every single national jurisdiction has their own rules in terms of travel. And, you know, based on one of the articles that I read, if you were to take a look at just the European Union and the individual countries in the Union and their rules in terms of non-essential travel, you're basically cutting half of the draw. And so... I mean, there, there's that kind of debate as to whether these upcoming <laughs> these upcoming tournaments, Grand Slams included, are going to show and feature the best of the best. I mm-hmm. mean, the U.S. Open, maybe I'm jumping ahead of myself, uh, you know, they're not going to have Halep. Is Halep playing the, the U.S. Open? Halep is playing the U.S. Open. Oh, so she is leaving Romania. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So what, one of the things that I read was that... Maybe it was, I don't know if it was the WTA or the ATP 
um, players, but 30, the article I read said that 39 of the top 53 were playing the U.S. Open. Okay. So that's, that's not, or maybe it was Cincy. I, th I should be doing better research. But one of one of those two events. Don't don't be so hard on yourself. <laughs> but I assume that that probably means both of them. Okay. Yes. Right. So if if they're playing one, they're going to be playing both. That that th uh, thirty nine of the top fifty three. I don't know why they sort of picked that threshold. Like why didn't they pick sixty? Why didn't they pick fifty? <laughs> um, but thirty nine of the top fifty three players in the ETP or WTA were playing um, Cincy in the U.S. Open. So. Okay. I mean, I don't know how you feel. We, again, talked about this at the very beginning of our podcast adventure slash journey. But, you know, even having the vast majority of players in the top, <laughs> the top 53, as you just <laughs> said, um, participating at the Grand Slam is still, there's lots of vacancies. And I don't know. I just... I would feel so sketchy if I was that player that won. <laughs> I mean, the prize money is one thing. Like, I'm not going to complain if I ended up winning the U.S. Open in 2020. But, I mean, it's hard to, I don't know, it's hard to legitimize yourself as a champion if you happen to be the winner of a Grand Slam this year. Just because, like, you know, you don't have everybody there. And, I mean, to cite Patrick McEnroe again, he did have incredible foresight when he said that it would be very important for the sport in order... Uh, it would be very important for the sport to have all tennis players to participate. Now, is that um, a reasonable ask, considering our health situation globally no but in terms of our sport of tennis yeah like as a fan i, I want to see i mean i do want to see the u.s open courts i do want to see players you know being competitive but i don't know if i i don't know if i'm gonna look <laughs> at that champion any differently what do you think i don't know i mean you know because 39 of the top 53 <laughs> players are are playing uh it it's going to be a competitive draw, you know, mm -hmm. with the with the men. We we often benchmark it with Nadal, Federer, and Djokovic, and yes. and at the moment, only Djokovic is playing. But <laughs> on his best day, some of these new up and coming guys, I think, can beat him on hardcore and you know he's had covid <laughs> gregor has talked about the impact of covid on his play when he right. was interviewed on the uts court she tired she got a bit tired and she <laughs> hasn't played for a while and she regrets getting the covid as i think most people would in that instance when you probably could have prevented it in his case <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, I think um, it, it is interesting if to think about sports in general this year and whether there's going to be an asterisk on every champion in every league or at every tour, uh, you know, tournament on the tour. Okay, that's fair. Change is difficult, but I guess we all have to roll with the punches. I mean, just give it to Corentin Moutet, mm -hmm. your, your, your favorite UTS player. He's fun to watch and <laughs> a little nugget and super cute. Oh, not not my cup of tea. 
But no. you know, she she could have it though. <laughs> she can have it. <laughs> she she could have it. I wouldn't complain. <laughs> Speaking of people who can have it. <laughs> Actually, I don't know what kind of segment it is. You tell me who can have it, and then we move on. But Well, no, okay, going back to the whole Novak Djokovic thing, and, I, I mean, no one read my mind. I'm not saying that Novak Djokovic could have it, even though he could. I mean, no, listen, Novak Djokovic could have it, but, like, I wouldn't want to talk to him while he was giving while he was having it you know what i mean like yeah. i don't want to i don't want to hear about the changing of the molecules i don't want to hear about the distillation of water but you could have it yeah. you know what i'm saying that's fair that's fair <laughs> i mean i the reason why i want to go back to Djokovic is because um one of the instagram <laughs> accounts that we follow ready play tennis podcast follows is something called atp memes I, I, I should really know the name, but I don't. Anyway, it's something like ATP memes. And once Nadal announced that he was not going to be part of the U.S. Open, they posted on their IG a picture of Novak Djokovic with a huge grin on his face being like 18th Grand Slam title in the bag. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's a bit. You know, it's possible for sure. And he is going to be seen as the front runner, perhaps. Although none of us have seen him play. None of us have seen him practice since since he and his fair Yelena became <laughs> COVID positive. So who, kno- who knows if he will be in the Gregor category uh, in terms of it impacting him negatively. And, I got know, Bring it on, Medvedev. Let's get me some Medvedev. Get me a get him a Grand Slam title. That's what I want. Yeah, I got an idea. All you like post next gen prodigies, Zverev, Medvedev, uh, help me out. Who else? Team. Team. Uh, how how could I forget Sudsi? Sitsi. Sitsi. Yeah. You 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 give me a cool five grand each. I will dress up in drag, fly my ass to New York, and I'm going to entice Novak to go out to the club, which you know he's <laughs> prone to do. <laughs> and I'll get that bitch kicked out of that tournament so fast, that draw is going to open up for you. Well, so, he's going to go you well, he's going to go with Zverev and with Gregor. <laughs> so they will I be forgot about that. <laughs> they'll be off they'll be off the list too. So right. make make it'll make that room for those four. For Sudsy. For Sudsy, for team. Berrettini. Ber- ah, Berrettini, yeah. Berrettini. Yeah. Berrettini. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so we we know Nadal's not playing the U.S. Open. We mm. do know, however, on the ladies' side that Bianca is coming for that title number two. Yes, Miss Bianca Andreescu. She uh, woke up in her parents' basement yesterday. She pulled off the cover. Uh, she pulled the little switch on her lamp that we sent her for her birthday. Because as you all remember on Tennis United, she was essentially doing an interview in her parents' basement <laughs> in Thorn Thornhill in Toronto. No, Thornhill, Ontario in the dark. And she was like, you know what, bitch? I am going to go to the US Open and I am going to defend my title. Well, and I'm sure. I'm sure she got... Uh, contacted pretty soon after Nadal posted his stuff to find out because she's the other defending champion, right? So she probably needed to put out a statement because people were calling her to find ah. out what was going on. That w- That's sort of my thought on that. 
Okay, I didn't even know. I thought that she had been um, pegged to defend her title earlier, but the statement came out today. It's possible, but the I saw stories shortly after the Nadal piece that that were sort of headlined that Bianca's going to defend her title. So I don't. I I assume either she had said so before, or it became more of a story because Nadal was bailing. Right. I mean, okay. So this um, help grandma. Help grandma out. Um, <laughs> the women's draw at the U.S. Open. So we know the defending champion's going to be there. We know Ash Serena's Bar- going to uh, be there. Of course. Uh, okay, talk about another storyline. She's going to, you know, end up her way in that draw. You know, thank goodness she doesn't have a Lions judge to threaten their life with. Because <laughs> there's, <gonna> be, <laughs> there's only going to be Lions judges on Arthur Ashe and um, Louis Armstrong Stadium. So she's in the clear for that. Um, but I mean, if there's any time for her to tie Margaret Court, it would be it would be now. Now, the one thing that again, going back to our IG post a couple of days ago, but Ash Barty, what a freaking shame! That girl is not playing the U.S. Open. She ha- she had had to travel all the way from Australia, and you know, our friend Tyrone, who is in Australia, is on complete lockdown. Mm-hmm. So things are not good over there. Yeah, well, maybe she should play the US Open so that she can get out of there and come here. <laughs> well, that's true. New York is in uh, a, a little bit better situation, so maybe she should come into the US Open bubble and play. But she's already put her her marker in the in the her flag in the sand, her whatever on the court, her whatever the analogy is. Her kangaroo koala uh what else is wilderness (laughs) (laughs) okay osaka i think osaka said she was playing Mm -hmm. so that'll be so okay and um halep i believe as nadal i mean before today's statement from nadal um halep had said she was going to keep her options open so we don't really know what's going on with with Simona. She's she's still wait and see, but she's playing the tournament next week in Prague. In Prague. Along okay. with your girl who got a wild card spot, Miss Jeannie. You know what? I'm mad at her right now, to be honest. Listen, I, I mean for okay, just to catch everybody up, Jason and I, you know, last week we took a little break. We celebrated our ten episodes. So actually, where's your wine glass, girl? Take your Cheers. wine glass. Cheers to that. And we're imagining all of the applause that our listeners are giving to us <laughs> at this time, especially, you know what? I'm going to keep on calling them out. All of our fans in Norway, you keep us ranked high up there in the Scandinavian <laughs> states. Yeah, up, <laughs> high up in there. High up in there. Um, anyways, going back to Jeannie. Yes, I haven't really put that much effort in trying to entice Jeannie on the show. But you know what? I thought that at the beginning of our you know podcast journey Jeannie having watched a couple of our stories maybe if I remember correctly hearted one or two of them and now just radio side I think she's just focused on her tennis so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be mad at her for that I mean can you say that she's focused on her tennis when she's 332 in the world (laughs) wow the shade but she got a wild card into Prague that says something. Good yeah. for her. You know, she, she wasn't. Her- she wasn't in that article though about the U.S. Open. <laughs> Layla wasn't. Fernandez was. 
Ooh. Layla you know, and Bianca are the only two Canadian women. Oh, wow. What yeah. if she... Well, qualifying... Maybe this is a perfect segue because I was about to talk about the um, kind of new things to expect from the U.S. Open this year. But um, one of them, as I was going to mention, was that the qualifying draws are completely eradicated. So no wonder Jeannie wasn't mentioned because that girl is not ranked in the top 128 (laughs) for her to be part of the main draw. But if there's a whole bunch of players not playing, then maybe she'll get a chance. But 332 is a bit far down there. You know what? I I did watch some of her exhibition matches that she's played, you know, for World Team Tennis. That one was a nail biter. Her team lost by one point. Coco Vandeweghe clinched it for her team this year. But, um, you know, I I feel like Jeannie is refocused, so I can forgive her for not paying any attention to me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm feeling a bit like that, too. I feel like she is going to refocus and we're gonna see her back uh a a quick sidebar i have i found a video from when i went to the u.s open in 2014 that we're gonna share at some point uh when the u.s open is happening where okay i uh was sort of at this stage where is it malavia washington was he a tennis player Honey, (laughs) I cannot even with you right now. (laughs) Malavia Washington was not only a tennis player, but honey, he was a Wimbledon finalist. He was a Wimbledon finalist? No, semi-finalist, sorry, semi-finalist. I remember him being very good looking. But he he was at one of the stages sort of warming people up as they walked to the arena, and Nick Boletari was being interviewed by him, and I got to ask a question, and I was there for one of the sessions to see Jeannie and I asked a question about Jeannie. So I'm so jealous. I know. We'll get you have- we'll te- we're teasing that now, but stay tuned to our our IG page and you'll see my interaction with Nick Boletari. Okay, all right. Okay. I Okay, let's get into this. Yeah, you want to talk about all that you've learned about the bubble that's being created for this tournament that will hopefully happen in New York unless yes. cases start to spike and we all get fucked over. Yes, and Cuomo's going to eat his words because he moved mountains to allow the US Open to take place this year. Okay. Before I share with everybody all of the new measures that the USTA has implemented to ensure a safe and secure running of the US Open, if anyone has any ideas commentary thoughts rants don't be shy share them with us on ready play tennis podcast either on ig you can email us which is i guess the old-fashioned method um because we really uh, jason and i have truly even though we took a bit of a sabbatical last week um we have been really intrigued by people's comments on our ig our our you know our, our following i guess you could say have been very vocal about Um, certain topics and we want that trend to continue so if this floats your boat or if it doesn't we want to know and yeah let us know okay changes to the US Open 2020 here we go so we are in a time of COVID change number one there is going to be testing of all players and um, not only participants but you know their entourage upon arrival 
Um, the USTA doctor slash medical team, they are also going to conduct nasal swabs once per week. And they are saying that nasal swabs are the most accurate of COVID tests to ensure the safety of all players and people that are going to be at the site. Those individuals that test positive are going to be assessed to see whether they can be treated on site or if they're just going to send their ass home. So any of the players who may have issues snorting cocaine, they're going to have to take a break. Right. Richard Gasquet. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was found not guilty. Not he was found <laughs> not guilty. <laughs> Excuse me. He's the virtuoso. Oh, I know. How dare I? How dare, how dare I? How how dare I talk about someone that gives such, um, you know, uh, his comments about uh, Djokovic riding the fence. Very Switzerland. <laughs> and you're not from Switzerland. You're from France. And, and, the, fr- and the French have opinions. So why don't you have one yeah, for a change? I see Switzerland. I see France. <laughs> I see I the virtuosos <laughs> underpants. <laughs> I wish. So that's that's change number one. <clears throat> number two is that all all people at the U.S. Open are going to be uh, quarantined in a bubble. Now, stupid Alduin thought initially that it was <laughs> that the USTA was going to fabricate an actual bubble. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? They're going to actually make a bubble for all these people to stay in? But no, Alduin, that's not what they're talking about. <laughs> they are talking about a proverbial bubble in which players, coaches, etc., are going to be confined within. And that bubble, in this case, represents two airport hotels uh, by John F. Kennedy Airport. And those of you that have flown into JFK before know that those hotels aren't really so nice anyway. Um, And each player is allotted two rooms. I don't know if you know this, Jason. I do. I I mean, I do now. (laughs) (laughs) One room is going to be paid for by the USTA. The other room is going to be expense, well, paid for by the player with three people per room, which means that those players that participate can bring essentially the two most important people in their entourage, their coach, i.e. Tom Hill. (laughs) (laughs) We see you, Tom Hill. We see you, Tom Hill and Sakari, Maria Sakari. She got beat out the first round. By Christina Pliskova. I know. I'm so sad. We love you, Maria, though. Okay, side note. I did see you, Tom, on the sideline, and, like, you look real cute. (laughs) Those of you, Tom Hill has a a podcast with his friends in in England, Wild Goats. Check it out. Anyway, whatever. Okay. So, uh, three people per room. And that is the rule. Does that mean they can have six people? I mean, remember the last episode that we did, I wasn't so good at math, but I'm pretty confident that three people times two rooms equals six people. (laughs) Yeah. I wasn't sure if you meant like three people (laughs) within the two rooms, meaning the player would get one room and those two poor support Uh, people had to bunk together or or could they have six people? I read it as, I read it as two rooms. I guess it would be within the. Dis- I mean, I guess if I was a top tier player and be like, "Bitch, I don't want to s- sleep with Tom Hill." Yeah, I want to have I my mean, own room. Yeah, I mean, Novak needs his water filter person and his <laughs> coach and his physio and his nutritionist yeah. and Yelena yeah. and 
yeah, he needs all those people. Yeah. Um, I just read it as two rooms, three people each. So, I don't know. You could have. It could be three people or six people. If you were Zverev, you could have the stripper at the club that you met the last the night before. Fair. I think he has <laughs> a girlfriend, but. Oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, Zverev. Okay. <laughs> Next. This one is, I, I found this one to be interesting. I don't know how interesting you f- f- are going to find it, but because they're going to limit the amount of people slash interaction at the second Grand Slam of the year, that means that only on Louis Armstrong and Arthur Ashe will there be an official umpire officiating and lines judges. Every other court is going to be the lines are going to be called by Hawkeye Live, which is, you know, the technology that we've been using for the past, I don't know, 2006, 14 years to call lines. But we've always, we've always, as if I'm a lines judge, but the ATP and WTA and the International Tennis Federation have used Hawkeye Live in addition to lines judges, but, um, you know, and, and the challenge system. But now all the lines are going to be called by Hawkeye. So they're going to minimize the amount of efficiency at the at the slam by substituting them with this technology. Mm-hmm. And uh, for those of you who follow the next gen event, they they use that there. And I mean, I think it's fine. One of the things that it helps perhaps in the matches is it actually speeds them up. Mm. There's you can't you can't necessarily argue and there's there's no fans so when a player challenges and you're waiting in anticipation for uh the result of what that challenge is and you wait for the ball to drop in the video there's Mm. going to be none of that from what i'm hearing except on those two courts where they have actual lines people i'm gonna miss serena and other atp players shaking their ball and racket at actual people yeah that's gonna be a shame but uh, but i mean we have this we're in COVID times as you said <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> oh we well can, you know beggars can't be choosers we have we have the hope and the dream mm. that n- the rest of the tour will not be like madrid and all of china yes exactly or as donald trump calls it china Gina, the Gina <laughs> virus. <laughs> okay, so just to wrap this up really quickly, again, in the whole spirit of minimizing people at the site, there's going to be um, far less lines people. Obviously, no fans. That's going to be interesting. I wonder what they're going to place in the seats during matches. Are they going to go a la the Japanese with putting stuffies in the stands or... You know, are they going to do uh, what did they do in baseball? You had mentioned it to me earlier. The baseballs they had they had cutouts behind the plate. Right. Um, <laughs> we were watching it, and <laughs> yeah. Wade saw a a hot dog sales person. It's like a concession guy walking through the stands, holding his like hot dog <laughs> bag situation. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so there was a bit of that. Obviously, we have. Tennis was really the first experience we had with no fans because, you know, Patrick Muradoglu decided to do UTS and right. it got a bit more entertaining uh, during UTS too, I have to admit. Mm. I uh, really liked watching um, 
what's his name? Who Felix? It, who? No, the guy who played um, Isner. Isner. Mahout. Mahout. Mahout played um, in the t- in uh, the tournament this past weekend, and he took it very seriously. It was nice to see somebody who plays a bit more servant volley, mm. and uh, yeah, he was very much into it. He lost to Gregor, but wow, I appreciated that. But I think. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Okay. And, okay, so just to finish, no fans. And doubles draws will be cut in half. So I believe, if I'm not mistaken, not 32 teams, but now 16. Sorry, wheelchair people. There's no wheelchair draw at all. So they d- they didn't go back on that and, <laughs> and have the wheelchair tennis? So not only did the USTA not even consult with the Wheelchair Association in terms of not having their draw included in the US Open 2020, and then when they got flack for that, they were like, okay, well, we're going to continue. We're going to start communications to see if we can implement them. But (laughs) no, no, sorry. Oh, my God. I know. Isn't that awful? That's kind of That's not nice. why Why not make space for them through the reduction of the doubles draw? Right. Yeah. Yes, exactly. We we are in a time of inclusion and diversity, and it is an absolute shame that the wheelchair draw is not taking place. They could have done they could have included them in some way, I believe. Mm -hmm. But um, only players who can stand on two feet. That's That's very unfortunate. Very unfortunate. And the last point that I'm going to mention to all of you is that there will be no international media except for us i'm kidding <laughs> we, we have not been invited <laughs> well if they knew you were gonna dress and drag maybe they would invite us chi chi would be there but she'd be breaking all the rules so i don't know that she uh she'd be <laughs> yeah, a good she wouldn't follow the quarantine <laughs> rules for sure definitely not however there um i do believe that espn and eurosport are in talks with the usta to have um to have the monopoly in terms of television rights and broadcasting rights for the U.S. Open. Well, so, I think I mean, you. I think ESPN is probably a shoe in. Yeah, Eurosp- I mean, Eurosport would be the other main category of broadcasters because Europe obviously is such a big tennis continent. So yeah, mm-hmm. and there you have it: the changes yeah. to the 2020 U.S. Open. I think the. Hawkeye Live is fine. It's completely fine. I mean, at some point, perhaps we're going to evolve to that perhaps completely. I th- I do think there is something exciting and there is obviously a fan interaction element to the challenge system. So mm-hmm. that's why it, it it's maintained within the sport because it, it does add sort of a a bit of suspense and some entertainment value um and obviously it it helps in many ways the players when a bad call is made Mm -hmm. but i think for the sake of limiting the number of folks who are on the site and on the outer courts and the flow of traffic that might be happening with personnel and lines people uh, it makes it kind of makes perfect sense to implement that on the outer courts, in my opinion. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I would agree with you for all of those reasons that you stated. However, I mean, just to play angel's advocate because no <laughs> one likes to be devil. the <laughs> no one wants to be the devil. You know, I did read about the world team tennis that just recently concluded, and American players. I think her name is Jessica Pagula. She was playing another a fellow American. Oh, man, I'm going to butcher her first name. I'm just going to say her last name. Her last name is Para. I think it's Beatrice Para. Someone correct me if I'm wrong. Anyway, they were in a tie break. Para was leading 2-1. A shot that Para hit looked like it was out, and Hawkeye Live replayed the ball, and it was clearly so far in. But everyone that watched that ball drop on the court was like that's not the same ball so i mean yes is hawkeye live accurate more accurate than lines judges yes but it's not a hundred percent accurate and i mean to 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 give this technology full ownership over the estimation of a singles slash doubles match i think is a lot because I mean, like you said, having human um, humans there to judge, plus having the Hawkeye technology is kind of a foolproof system in my opinion. But just having the technology could co- cause a whole lot of problems. What if a ball falls out that is clearly in, and the technology gets it wrong, and it's a decisive point? As you and I both know, Jason, tennis is a game of a point that is decided on a point here or there. I do know that. And I do know we considered calling our podcast that. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, like you said, this is going to be an interesting U S open. We're all going to be flexible with the changes and we're just going to see who ends up with the trophy at the end of the day. I think we have to be flexible with the changes if we want, tennis during this period Mm. we are in this uh unfortunately as we've seen i think i i forget i was in one of my meetings today and i think we we talked about the fact that we all thought this was going to be like three or four weeks i mean the government said to you uh we're going to extend your march break by three weeks and then you taught at home until the end of the year and now there's this conversation about whether you're going to go back or not I think we have to appreciate the fact that tennis is is happening and that mm-hmm. the tournament organizers are doing their darndest to, to make sure it happens and that it's safe. We have to be thankful that the players are doing something for the sport by participating in these tournaments during mm. this time. Mm-hmm. And we have to ask the players in the way that you know Nick Kyrgios did perhaps not in the way that he actually did but to be kind to the sport and do it safely and sort of follow the rules of the tournament which I think is another part of the conversation that Mm -hmm. are these players going to be able to maintain their safety within the bubble Um, you know we know that the major league baseball which is traveling in the same way that the tennis players would mm-hmm. they they ain't following the rules and those 
Miami Marlins and the St. Louis Cardinals have had multiple players. Actually, I think 60% or 70% of the actual team from Miami contracted COVID, which impacted a bunch of teams in the league because they were either playing them or they were playing against a team that had played against Miami previously. So Mm -hmm. it impacted the whole league, which meant they're perhaps they made the wrong choice to have the teams travel to the cities where those teams actually play. Whereas basketball has centralized into uh, actually basketball is centralized in Orlando and then hockey has centralized in Toronto and Edmonton. Mm -hmm. Tennis is going to be um, a deeper risk. There's so many players coming from multiple countries and areas and the USTA is doing their darndest to, to make sure that the tournament comes off safely and Cincy in New York comes off safely as well. Mm-hmm. So we'll see, you know, let's cross our fingers. Let's hope that the top 39 of the top 53 <laughs> uh, can play well and they don't, you know, contract the COVID and their nasal swaps comes out, come out negative and we all get some tennis on ESPN and Eurosport. What, okay, yes, thank you for that. One one thing to kind of feed off of what you just said, can we talk about Donna Vekic for a second? I mean, I'm always up up for talking about Donna, Donna Vekic. Donna Vekic. First of all, good on you, Donna Vekic, for getting your shit together in the past couple of years because you were a hot mess about four <laughs> or five years ago. But, you know, she got her shit together, started to play really well, re-enter the top 20, but anyway, the reason why I want to highlight Donna Vekic is because she was recently interviewed at the first WTA tournament since lockdown, which is taking place in Palermo, Italy. And they asked her her opinion about um, what it takes to play tennis during this time of COVID. And she said straight up, she said a couple of things that were pretty interesting. Number one, she said, you know, as a representative on the WTA Players Council, a council that is you know, established to make sure that all of the needs of WTA players ranked one, one, number one, all the way to, I don't even know how many WTA players there are, like what the bottom ranking is, that they are, you know, working in the best interests of all of those players. She said that his, it has been very difficult to protect players out of, let's say, the top 100. The lower ranked players don't necessarily have as much security, um, as the higher ranked players, obviously, because the higher ranked players have have had some success success, <laughs> success on the tour, have you know earned prize money, are able to have an entourage with them of nutritionists, dietitians, physiotherapists, water gurus, if you count <laughs> Novak Djokovic's team, um, and so they haven't you know during COVID they haven't done a good job of protecting those players and their livelihoods. But she also says something really interesting, which I think is quite ironic and in juxtaposition to what to this this very first point. She says that the measures that are put in place at tournaments during this time of COVID are extremely difficult to follow. She basically said that to expect a player to quarantine, and I don't know if I'm using the correct terminology, but you know, if you're going to participate at a tournament, you're clearly only there to participate and play and not interact and go to the club. 
And she says that to expect players to remain confined in their rooms 100% is impossible, which I do agree. I mean, if you want to take a fucking walk and you want to walk around, I don't know what, what there is to see in Palermo, but I'm sure it's beautiful because it's in Italy. If you want to go taste a little Parmesan, <laughs> have a little olive oil, <laughs> you know, go and do that. That's fine. And she's like, I'm not saying that I would go to the club, i.e. Zverev, but it is difficult to expect players to practice the measures of social distancing 100%. Anyway, she also says something that I think is really ironic. She basically said that, you know, it, <clears throat> let, let someone insert the baby cry comment here. She's like, <clears throat> you know what I mean? She's like, it's really hard for me that I don't have my entire team with me. Like, honey, you just <laughs> you just said that you got you have not done a good job protecting players in lower ranked in lower rankings during this time of COVID. But at the same time, you're saying that it's been really hard for you not to have your entire entourage with you. Like, just figure out what you're going to say before you're going <laughs> to say it, because it's not I mean, it's not cute. Uh, it's not cute. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's what Mugu had on you. I don't know. Just <laughs> <laughs> that's, I, that's a low blow. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> because Mugu is dating Stan. We think. We Ooh. think. We think. I think they're they're better suited for each other. Let's be honest. Okay. Stan's cool, and you know, despite the dreads, Mugu's got a good personality. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that that whole situation will work itself out, and maybe they'll. They'll they'll probably have very good looking kids anyway. Yeah. So, okay. but back to your point. Yeah. You know, she can't have it both ways. She can't say, you know, I think what she what she's trying to say is, you know, we we want people to be supported, especially the lower ranked players, and that's why it's so important that these tournaments are able to continue and be up and running but then mm -hmm. to say you know i can't have my entourage then that's the you know 24 year old spoiled spoiled woman coming out in her mm. who's had a lot of opportunities and had a lot of things um provided to her because you know perhaps because of her success but like you know pick one or the other yeah yeah, I mean, listen, no one's perfect. That is an obvious statement, but I just think that you would have more mindfulness before. That's what shocks me about all of these play. I mean, yes, maybe it is a little bit of putting players on a pedestal when you have a platform that large, but I don't know. I, speaking as a 37-year-old, having seen a little bit of life, I've made a lot of stupid mistakes in my life and probably said a billion stupid things, probably still do say a billion stupid things but you know I, I don't have as much of an impact now well i don't have as much of an impact because i'm not a fucking top tier tennis player mm -hmm. anyway. i mean you as chi chi as a top tier <laughs> tennis player would be super good yeah yeah <laughs> but i think you know let's all calm down let's <laughs> all be grateful that in some way shape or form tennis is trying to find its way and maneuver into this new covid reality of the moment mm. and appreciate the fact where cities like madrid and and these countries are are making those difficult decisions to cut out something that would be 
important for the economy to bring back even with 30 or 40 percent of fans mm -hmm. and you know let's hope that some semblance of the provisional calendar for the ATP and WTA is able to happen like some of these events in you know Korea has their shit together so there's a tournament in in Korea in October oh, that's nice Austria I think does as well China <laughs> has locked it down so those nine tournaments that the WTA <laughs> has in China and the ATP all gone but mm. you know I think we have to focus on the success of these tournaments that are able to launch and one event that happens those other tournaments that follow will learn i think and figure out how to build and you know we i think we all want 2021 to happen so melbourne get your shit together and get those yeah. covid get that lockdown on lockdown yeah can you be um working for the atp wta i was really inspired by that last <laughs> that last speech holy shit yeah, like, sorry i just stepped <laughs> off the soapbox it's all done so before we close uh, because we th we could go on for two hours but there is a new tournament in lexington and i did want oh. to <laughs> quiz you because i told you before we started that there were some very high-profile high people coming to this new tournament called the Top Seed Open. Ooh. It has nothing to do with gay sex. It has, <laughs> <laughs> it has to do with tennis and top seeds. So, I, I was think I I was gonna say that was the name of my grinder hookup yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there are some former world number ones <gasps> playing, and I. I will tell you that there are three, okay, former I, world number ones and former grand, uh, four former Grand Slam champions. Now, question before I jump into this game: Do the Grand Slam champions are are the Grand Slam champions and world number ones some of them the same person? Like, uh, is are are a couple of them? Former Grand Slam champions and also former world number ones. Yes, so three of them are former world number ones mm -hmm. and I, three of them three of those are part of the four that are grand slam champions so there's only four okay that i know one have you guess i swear to god i did not research this before but i have i'm confident that i know one of them Liar. for certain you searched it before but i ahead. swear to god i didn't <laughs> i didn't okay if I'm thinking in my brain of former world number ones and Grand Slam champions that are kind of not in the limelight anymore but are trying to make their way back, Vika is one of them for sure. She's playing Kentucky. You are correct. Vika is one of the former world number ones and okay. current number 58. Number 58. The other one, I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say, okay, Okay, I am going to have a thought process. I'm going to tell you when I want you to confirm. Okay. So I have a couple of people in my mind. I have Venus Williams in my mind. Uh, the reason why I have her in my mind is because she's my third favorite player of all time. <laughs> and she Mary is also... Mary Pierce and <laughs> Steffi Graf. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> um, she is obviously a former world number one and seven-time Grand Slam winner. 
Um, I did not watch her YouTube video and whether or not she was going to retire during this time of COVID because she is in uh, mature in terms of tennis, 40 years mm-hmm. old, 41. 40. And I'm gonna and I'm gonna say that she said to herself, you know what? I have my skin, my sun care line out. I'm doing well. I've got 11 by Venus. Why not? Let me see if let me use this as a little tune up before the U.S. Open. So I'm gonna say Venus. Am I right? You are correct. Oh my god! <laughs> so you're what? two for two. Oh my god! Okay, the next one I'm gonna say because Cam, who I've been playing tennis with every week for the past eight or nine weeks, this is his famous, famous favorite <laughs> player. She's a Belgian, the one that I preferred more than Justine. Uh, Kim is also on a comeback. Unfortunately, due to coronavirus, her comeback was halted. But she's been on fire at the World Team Tennis. Unfortunately, I think she had an abdominal strain. But I still think she's entered. So I'm going to say Kim Kleisters. You know what? I do not know if Kim Kleisters has entered the Kentucky tournament or not. But she is not one of the four that (gasps) I have on my list. Two other former world number ones? Serena? Where Venus goes, Serena goes. Oh my God, Serena's gonna be there. She's gonna play Lexington. Kentucky. Let's go to Lexington. We should go. If we could cross <laughs> the border, we should go. I know it would have been nice to be there. What a small tournament that would be. And yeah. all of our friends. What uh, what borders Lex- uh, Kentucky uh, again? Cincy. Cincy. Almost, yeah. 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 So you have one more. Okay, I'm gonna say. Can you give me a clue? She's American. Also Former American. world number one. No, no, Ameri- no. You've already got all of the no- number one. Oh, I, I know her. I know her. I don't really like her, but it's because I don't like all young up-and-coming tennis players. I'm going to say Sophia Kennan. No. Well, she might be playing, but no. So I only read one article. I Sloane Stevens. Sloane Sloan Stevens, correct. I like, I like Sloane. Sloane, for the record, I like you. You're friends with Jeannie. Yeah. Uh, we just wish you could bring the consistency. Yeah, because you got the game, girl. Mm-hmm. You can do it. So that's Lexington. And, you know, we could spend a bit more time talking about the tour, but <laughs> let's just hope, you know, there's going to be more updates in the in the next week or two. Yes. Uh, next week, I'm very excited about our episode because we, we have special plans for that. We won't tease it here. You're just going to have to tune in. Yeah, you're going to have to tune in. And... Those people that like love listening to us, you're going to have to follow us on IG because that is when you're, where you're going to get the daily dose of what's going on with the Ready Play Tennis podcast. So mm-hmm. if you haven't followed our IG already, we are Ready Play Tennis podcast. On That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and the email is readyplaytennispodcast at gmail.com. I know. And before you forget, do you want to um, share your dedication for this particular sure. episode? So. <laughs> One of the reasons why we needed to take a week was my f- beloved Cujo passed away. Aww. A bit of a tennis memory I have with him. I did take him to a court one time in Windsor in the winter in, I don't know, 2007 or 2008. Uh, and I brought a tennis ball and I remember throwing the tennis ball uh, across the court and he did his thing. He went to go chase it and um, he got the ball and he was never one to really play with a tennis ball so he would grab it and then drop it but 
because there was snow on the tennis court, I started to see uh, blood. So there was blood trailing, <laughs> trailing wherever he would walk, and he ripped out one of his nails. <laughs> oh, my God. So that's my tennis memory of the little sunset schnauzer, Cujo, who passed away a week and a half ago. May he rest in peace. May he rest in peace. And if I may, one very small memory, and it's obviously linked to you and Wade, was that Wade and Jason enjoyed their French Open experience. And uh, while they were there, I was the one to babysit little Cujo. Mm -hmm. So um, I love you, buddy. And I hope you're doing so well in doggy heaven. He is definitely doing well, and we will join you soon, but not not too soon. We have <laughs> much we have much to live for, including <laughs> lots of COVID tennis. <laughs> yeah. Yay! Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye, everyone. Hey, it's your serve. If you love this episode, be sure to give us a five star review. And don't forget to share it with others and let them know what all the racket's about. See what I did there? And don't forget, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Ready Play Tennis Podcast. See ya!